Hello. My name is Patrick Curran, and along with my friend Greg Hancock, we make up Quantitude. We're a podcast dedicated to all things quantitative, ranging from the relevant to the completely irrelevant. Welcome to our St. Patrick's Day show. Guinness and self-indulgence will flow. Tales of failure will be shared, plus limericks from you who dared. Brace yourself, Q-Potters. Here we go. I am very excited to wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. This is like your day. This is my day. When I was a kid, this was actually bigger than my birthday. It was St. Patrick's Day. What did you do to celebrate this day of yours? My parents were both high school teachers. They had a St. Patrick's Day party in our basement. And all their friends would come from the neighborhood and work and community. It was one of the most fun things I'd ever seen in my life as they did bingo. And mm-hmm. so my dad would get a keg of green beer. My mom would make roast beef and roasted potatoes. And 30 people would be in the basement playing bingo. <laughs> and they would bring white elephant gifts. And so mm-hmm. they were these joke gifts. If you won bingo, you got to pick a gift and open it. And then that was yours. And mm-hmm. then the night turned into the most vicious competition because there were always one or two things that people wanted. So if you won bingo, you could take someone's gift from them. Right. But you could also bestow your gift on someone else because they were these horrible white elephants. (laughs) And there were teachers and judges and pediatricians and all of these people in the most vicious bloodbath of trying to get the cool thing or give the bad thing. (laughs) I got to tell you, you have not lived until you've seen a couple of Irish nuns on their fifth beer trying to get a Garfield phone from somebody else who has it. Is is your mom Irish as well? I have lines on both parents that go back. My mom's line is more murky as she has tried to find exactly who came from when, and she she mm-hmm. was able to figure some of that out. My dad's, just by happen chance, we have a more direct link and know in more detail. So my great-grandfather was born in Ireland in the very upper northwest part of the country. So mm-hmm. if you're at work, you're bored, open Google Maps and search for Teelin. T-E-E-L-I-N. It's a tiny fishing village in the northwest corner of Ireland. He was born in 1872, and he had a twin sister, Nellie. His name was Thomas. Mm -hmm. And when they were 16, the two of them on their own emigrated from Ireland to the U.S. I I can't even get my head around it. My girls are going to be 16 later this year. And the thought of them being on a ship by themselves going to New York is kind of beyond comprehension. Mm -hmm. The fun part is there is still the Curran cottage in Teelan. And my cousin is Gene Curran, and he still lives Mm -hmm. there. By his best guess, the cottage walls are 300 years old. Wow. I was just there a couple of years ago, and we were out walking on the property. And it was really funny. There these stone outlines of a foundation out behind the house. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, that's the ancestral home, which (laughs) I thought was really funny. (laughs) It's not the newer one behind us that was built in 1700. That's the old current house. (laughs) 
So I did pull up T. Mm -hmm. Lynn, by the way, while you were talking. It doesn't show a lot of stuff around it. And what it does show, there's no way in hell I could pronounce Uh it because my Gaelic is terrible. There's one thing that I can read on the whole map that's within Mm -hmm. the vicinity of T. Lynn. And it says the rusty mackerel. (laughs) I have been to the rusty mackerel multiple times. They call it the rusty. (laughs) And it was the only telephone in town. And everybody Mm -hmm. would check messages. They would uh, make any phone calls that they had to. They would buy a pint. Somebody would play music. That sounds magical. And it sounds completely appropriate for what we are doing today. Um, Because this is, I mean, we've been billing this as the Limerick episode. Isn't a pub where a lot of stuff happens? Like when you're there, what what's going on in the pub? What kinds of things happen and, and how can we tie that in? I love being in a pub. There's so much going on. There are families there. There are kids there. They serve food. The whole menu has like three items on it. <laughs> it's like a three by three combination of meat and potatoes. You can have the right. meat on top of the potato. You can have the meat <laughs> under the potato. You can do the math. <laughs> There are two things that I love. One is somebody will break out mm-hmm. a fiddle and a bodron and play music. The other is every now and then there will be storytelling and somebody will sit on a stool and tell stories. It's really mm-hmm. cool. My cousin Gene, he actually is the all-Ireland storytelling champion in Gaelic. So I come to my extensive prattling, honestly. It's passed down through generations. (laughs) So I've got an idea. I'll Uh I'll pitch it to you for this episode. And you're right. It is the limerick episode. But we do Irish storytelling. We weave in some limericks. The first thing is I think we need to draw Mm -hmm. a Guinness and sit at a bar at the Rusty. So shall we teleport there? (laughs) Beam me up. All right. We are now at the long community table at the Rusty. All right. In the spirit of the day, I think you and I should Uh share some stories as we are in a pub in Ireland nursing a Guinness, which, by the way, is at room temperature. You do not drink cold Guinness. And not only, and here's my Uh pitch, do we tell stories? We tell stories of fails. (laughs) I think you being a guest, being my guest in the Rusty, you get first honors. Oh, geez. So this, I have to say, I I feel woefully overmatched in you, right? You You come by this legitimately. This is in your genes. I have maybe a little bit of Irish in me, God knows, somewhere. The pressure is insane, I'm just saying. Well, I could start with a story that it might be classified as neither a fail nor a win, but it's a nice story to get us started. Is that okay? Yes. All right. And then you can pick up from on the fail theme. The story is the first time you and I met. You cold called me with an email and you said something like, I'm up in, I'm going to be up in DC. You want to, you want to grab dinner or something. And we made arrangements trying to figure out what both of us liked and Mm -hmm. we just grabbed an Indian dinner. In fact, I, I think we drove around and just found a strip mall Indian place or something like that. So we were in there. We order lots of food. It is entirely possible that there was beer involved. Don't take this the wrong way, but you can... You... <laughs> okay, can I interrupt just briefly? Of course. We had rules with my girls when they were younger. Mm-hmm. They were not allowed to start a sentence by saying, 
don't take this the wrong way, but that okay. is a real family rule. All right. All right. So go ahead. Don't take this the wrong way, but it's entirely possible that you can get loud from time to time. <laughs> You mean like any time I open my mouth? So there were times during dinner where we were laughing and laughing, and then you would kind of duck down sheepishly and look around like, you know, and you even said at one point, oh, my God, we're going to get thrown out. We're going to get thrown out because we were laughing and we found out, you know, we had so much in common and it was it was just a, a wonderful dinner. But finally, toward the end of the meal, and, you know, we're talking about everything, right? Stat stuff and family stuff. Finally, toward the end of the meal, a customer from one of the other tables comes up to our table and you had the absolute most sheepish look on your face your whole body you kind of cowered down and she comes up to our table and we just know we're been offensive or loud or all of the above and she comes up and she says i am so sorry to be this person but i really have to ask you a question and you're cowering down and you're kind of looking up at me, you know, through your half eye eyelids like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. And then she looks at us and she goes, OK, so if I have data at four time points, I'm trying to understand, do I should I approach it from a multi-level perspective? Should I approach it from a latent growth modeling perspective? And your face just lit up like, oh, we're not we're not busted. And then you had this big grin and you and you just said to me, you go, you want to take this one or should I? You know? <laughs> But just the look on your face, how you transformed from this, this boisterous person who was really, really enjoying the evening to this child who's about to be scolded. I, I liked you instantly, of course. So that's, that's my fond recollection of our first, uh, our first time together. If I had a nickel for every time that has happened in some way, I met my wife in grad school and she would call Monday morning my apology tour because... <laughs> I had to go around for uh -huh. all the things on Friday and Saturday night that people overheard that they weren't supposed to. <laughs> I hand the uh, pass. What, what would we pass? The storytelling torch? How does, I don't know how it works in the Rusty Macro. Just a brief nod. It means, how, yep, so it's your turn. Now, just a second. They have a barbell, right? And it's not like a lifting barbell. It's a bell behind <laughs> the bar. Okay. I have talked to the bartender. Mm-hmm. And he is occasionally going to ring the barbell so that we can read a limerick in oh. between. All right, so that was the bell. Okay. Do you have a limerick? Sure. So here's what I would like to do. Let's let's interweave, uh, I guess, as Patty rings the bell from time to time. I'll read uh, one, two, three limericks that were submitted by folks. And then as we get toward the end, maybe I will save the ones that we might consider, do we say award-winning? I, I don't know what, what kind of award you win uh, in an Irish pub, but those would be the award-winning ones. Is that okay? Everybody cheers and raises a glass, and that's the reward. We'll save those toward the end, and we'll read some uh, sort of honorable mention ones along the way, starting right now. All right, first, let me say that people clearly have way too much free time. If you, uh, if you added up all the person hours that we just cost our field, uh, what do you got? Like dissertations people did not work on? Faculty meetings not attended. <laughs> children not picked up from daycare. Remember, Greg and I are committed to, if we're going down, we're taking yeah. as many people with us as we can. 
I mean, some people submitted a bunch of different limericks, so I had to only pick one. People submitted them from different countries. People don't even have English as a first language. So the response was absolutely spectacular. Thank you to everybody uh, who submitted it, however you submitted one. We really appreciate it. We are sorry that we can't read every single one of them. Yeah. And it was extraordinarily difficult to select the ones that we turn to for the rest of the episode. We're all winners, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I haven't. how about if we just take turns reading them? So you organized us, so you start us out. All right, sir. Here we go. I am going to start with one from Anonymous. And Anonymous submitted four, but we just I just picked one randomly. Here we go. <laughs> A doctoral student writes grants the same way they put on their pants. Backwards at first, they strain and rehearse and think about moving to France. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I've got mine. Next up, go. From Gene Arnold, a busy statistician from Nantucket, had a hard job and wanted to duck it. After programming every which way, all models crashed by the end of day, so he just had to out of luck it. (laughs) That is bold. You thought that was going somewhere else. I know, that was bold to start with Nantucket. Thanks, thanks, Gene. Um, All right, the next one comes from Maria Magdalena Yabre from University of Miami. At a bar while nursing my bottle, unable to sing or to yodel, I played with the data while munching on feta and rejected my structural model. Okay, I like that. If nothing else than the image of sitting at a bar eating feta cheese... (laughs) All right, I am going to introduce the first audio, and it is by Evan Hughes, and it is titled The Regressor's Lament. There was a researcher who made a design for within subjects data. He random assigned them four regressions to find them, but found no significant beta. (laughs) All right, I like that one very much. So let's turn back to a bit of storytelling. I was invited to give a talk at Notre Dame, and Steve Boker was there at the time, had organized this conference. He was very sweet and had reached out to me to be one of the the key speakers. They had, I don't know, you know, four or five speakers that were presenting. Already, I'm kind of terrified going into it. I didn't find out until maybe a week or two before one of the speakers was Steve Roddenbush. (laughs) Now, there are few people on the face of the planet who I have more respect and admiration for than Steve Roddenbush. And we actually could dedicate a show just talking about him. He's remarkable because not only of his amazing contributions to the field and multi-level modeling and causal inference and everything, but he's just an amazing human being. My heartbeat went up to 150 when I found this out. And so I was like, oh my God. And I got up. And damned if Bush isn't sitting, like, right in front of me. I'm literally ready to just black out. I'm from Colorado, and they teach, you know, if, if you're confronted by a bear in the wilderness, you really do drop and go into curl into a ball. You know, and I was very nearly ready to do this. I was like, okay, this is a challenge. We're going to get through this. So I start, and I did two, three, four slides that were all text, and then... I paused because the next slide were my first set of equations. And I turned and I addressed Steve, who was five feet in front of me. (laughs) 
And he is also, if you haven't had the opportunity to meet him, one of the nicest people on the face of the planet. And I turn and I address him personally and I said, so Steve, I apologize. I based my expressions on your two-level model, but I've took the liberty of making some changes to allow us to go in this other direction. And I flipped the slide and all of my equations are in wingdings. Everyone. And I had made a mistake and I had typeset them in LaTeX and I hadn't embedded the fonts. Everyone says Y sub I T equals eyeball plus bomb pyramid plus snake. And there's silence because I had literally just set up, I'm going to use a unique notational uh-huh. scheme and I apologize <laughs> by now I'm just like I'm going to unhook my little microphone and just walk away I had a 45 minute presentation and I gave the entire thing in wingdings <laughs> and there were two funny parts to it I felt one was how quickly I got into talking about pre and post multiplying by the inverse of an eyeball and then uh-huh. rescaling by bomb Right? And I'm literally just talking. And I'm like, so the eyeball is the asymptotic covariance matrix among the parameters. Duh. If we pre and post multiply the pyramid by the Mm -hmm. inverse of the eyeball and rescale by the lit bomb, we're going to get the standard errors of these compound effects Uh that are reflected in the dollar sign. And it took me like five minutes to get into this. The second one... (laughs) That was funny about it was afterwards, two grad students came up to me and they said, oh, that was really great. We learned so much. They said, look, just for what it's worth, we wouldn't have understood your talk any better if it hadn't (laughs) been. And Uh, I mean, what do you do with that? I was like, (laughs) this really should be standard notation by now. Oh, there's the bell. All right, let's see what we have next. I am going to be gratuitous and read one that I've written with your permission. Please. There once was a student named Lamar who proclaimed he would only use R. He was loudly self-righteous and deleted sass just to spite us. Now he consults from his car. (laughs) Okay, I do like that. I do. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. All right, the second one comes from an audio submission by Noah Griefer. Logits can only get you so far, taking odds ratios just as they are. Benefit you may find if you can just wrap your mind around the interpretation using Y star. (laughs) So do you want to take a shot? All right. I am going to read one from Katie Mintz from University of Iowa. I've had a spot of Terriance analyzing this covariance maybe my advisor will be none the wiser if our studio crashes by chance (laughs) which it will which it will (laughs) can i slip one more in that i i wrote absolutely all right i promise this will be my own last one because it turns out i'm not very good at this at all all right ready okay i've lived my life in an irreverent mood At times, I've been told virgin on rude. I need a new receptacle that is more socially acceptable. Thank goodness I have found quantitude. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so what do you got? All right, uh, here we go. I was a grad student. I showed up to work at, you know, I'm an early guy. You know this about me. And I showed up at uh, around 8 in the morning, and there was a note for me that was written by our administrative assistant, and it said, Dr. Sachs is sick today and was wondering if you could cover his analysis of variance class. He is introducing interactions today. Now, imagine, you know, I've never taught a graduate class at all before, so I'm very nervous. The class starts in in an hour, and I have to create a lesson that's, you know, like an hour, 15 minutes, something like that, on interactions. I don't know what has been covered, except I figure they've been, you know, they're just getting to two-way designs, that kind of thing. But I'm new at this. Obviously, I had experience as a teacher, but I've never taught this kind of stuff before. So the answer is, of course, I will do this. I'm happy to help out with Dr. Sachs. So I go back to my my little office area, and I start feverishly scribbling out, you know, how would I teach this? And there's no time really to reflect on this. And I, I head off to the classroom just as I'm walking into the classroom with my, my scattered notes in walks Dr. Sachs. And I go, oh, thank heavens, right? <laughs> and so I, I motion to hand him the chalk, and he looks over and he goes... No, no, too sick. I'll just sit here. <laughs> I didn't know exactly what they had done, so I introduced two-way designs, and I tie back sums of squares, and I have a little two-by-two design where I have sex as one of the factors, as uh, male-female, and then I have a treatment group, uh, you know, treatment and control design, and... and I go through and I talk about marginal means, and we figure out sums of squares, and... And I also treat this as though there are four separate groups. You know, I say, well, you've in, in your past, I assume you've done one-way design. So if this had been a one-way design, we would have a sum of squares that looks like this. But now if we put it in this design and we figure out the, you know, the sex effect and what kinds of sum of squares would we have associated with that? And we figured it out. And I, and I go, okay, for the, for the treatment control effect, right, the group effect over there, we have some sum of squares. And I get them to this place that is exactly where I wanted them, that things don't add up. The between, the between sum of squares that we got from treating this as a one-way design, you know, I say, well, there is this, there's the sex factor, and that is some of the reason why we have between group differences. And there is this, uh, there's this group factor, which accounts for some of the sum of squares, and they don't add up. Why don't they add up? And the whole class is with me it's working you know for mm-hmm. heaven's sake this whole this whole lesson is where they're like yeah i mean what else could there be right what what's going on and and then i say this just comes out of my mouth we're gonna have to have group sex interaction <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's one of those things that you hear it in your mind played over and over as you're watching people laugh and you don't understand why they laugh. And I realize what I have said and they are just dying. And I, you know, like you, I, I, I wanted to call, curl up in the ball so the bear doesn't maul me. Um, I look over at Dr. Sachs and he has put his head down on the desk and he's chuckling. And... <laughs> There was like, there's no recovery from this, you know? I, I mean, I tried to pull him back together and we figured out what interactions were and all of that. But I just couldn't even say the term group sex interaction anymore. You know, I had to say something, the treatment by gender. You know, I had to make some stuff mm-hmm. up, right? But that was my very 
first graduate school lecture, the group sex interaction lecture. So cheers to that fail. It gets it out of the way, right? It's like tearing the <laughs> Band-Aid off. Is mm -hmm. If you're going to be sent to your chair's office, you might as well just do it on your very yeah. first lecture. I was in a faculty meeting. We were presenting candidates. It was one of the first times that one of my colleagues said they ever saw me actually blush. And mm -hmm. I have said some profane, ridiculous things, but it's always been intentional. Mm -hmm. And the person said, it was so nice to see that you were just capable of blushing. <laughs> we were sitting in a faculty meeting. We were talking about candidates for a, a position. And we had a couple that were on the list. And we were trying to find the third person. And mm -hmm. one person had a candidate named Smith who they were advocating for. And I had a candidate named Johnson who I was advocating for. And in a faculty meeting, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, you show me your Smith and I'll show you my Johnson. <laughs> and I didn't mean it in any other way than the name. And there's silence, silence. Mm -hmm. And then you mm -hmm. start hearing this tittering uh -huh. among the faculty. And all of a sudden a neuron fires deep in my brain yes. stem that works its way up. And I just felt myself growing warm because yeah. if exactly the same thing had played out, but intentionally, uh -huh. it would have been fine. Yeah. But it was the unintentional aspect. So, yes, I love that. You know, whoever's listening to this should take some heart in the fact that we fail and we fail big. And that the other people in the room, these are esteemed faculty members that Patrick's referring to, are all giggling at this, yes. you know, oh, at this yeah. stuff. If you're listening at your desk and turn to your right and look at your bookcase, there are two or three books written by the people who were yeah. giggling. <laughs> You said something uh, uh, that your daughters had overheard a friend's parent oh, say. That what was what was the line? She said, "My dad thinks your dad is a child with the resources of an adult." There you go. That's <laughs> welcome to academia. <laughs> All right, Patty. Thank you. All right, let's see what we got. This one comes to us from Anthony Schmidt at UTK. Let's go with the University of Tennessee at Kentucky. No, wait. <laughs> okay. University of Tennessee at Knoxville, I think. Uh, here we go. Wouldn't that be UTN? UT <laughs> Colorado Public Schools, ladies and gentlemen. All right. A man whose p-values he did hack, removing outliers and cases with a whack. He ran his numbers and success he exclaimed, but his effect sizes, oh boy, did he lack. <laughs> All right, my turn. Yep. I get to introduce another audio one by Deborah Clausen. Complete data sets are gosh darn treasures. Eyeing columns is one of life's pleasures. Sussing out the design, IV, DV should be fine, but it's hard when it's repeated measures. <laughs> nice. Very, Very nice. nice. Um, let's see. While I got the microphone, I'll just move into a submission by Neil Hester. I know these effects should be random, but editors never demand them. In fact, they reject my results as suspect, even though they don't quite understand them. <laughs> That's good. As you and I have both been editors, yeah. that strikes a little close to home, but not <laughs> untrue. Too much? Okay. <laughs> nah, it's never too much. No. All right. 
Um, I have one from Zach Kanicki from Brown University. The model's chi-square test sure stunk, and the CFI sent me into a funk. Lagrange and Wald sent me back to the board. I think that my theory is bunk. <laughs> Admitting that is the first step, Zach. Thank yes. you. Now, I'm going to wrap up with an introduction to an audio that may qualify as the most entertainingly unique audio submission we have mm -hmm. for two reasons. It is submitted by Ross McMillan, but on behalf of his 10-year-old son. So that's first unique element. <laughs> the second one is, honest to gosh, Ross is at the University of Limerick. <laughs> so this wow. has... Bonus yeah. points. Bonus points. Bonus points. Here we go. There once was a lad in the stats class who was obsessed with his ginormous arse. His name was Dr. Curran and he and his stomach was always turning. Christ, we hate the smell of his gas. I mean, can we get a doctor in here? It smells disgusting. I'm surprised people haven't died from it. <laughs> I'm Dang. not sure how to even respond to that one, but uh, thank you. Thank There's... you both for your submission. Wow, parent of the year, too. Um... <laughs> You're going to have to send him your trophy because you got it last time. That was excellent. We haven't said the final ones will be read by a special guest. Where's Billy? Mm -hmm. Where's Billy? Oh. <laughs> uh, He's got his head down uh -huh. on the table by the fire uh -huh. with a lot of empty pints around him. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to let Billy go sleep for a little bit. All right, sir, I do believe it is your turn with a fail. Okay, so here's another fail, but with another save by a person who I so deeply respect. He's <laughs> another person who I just think is not only a titan in the field, but a titan of just being a human being, and it's John Nesselrode. Mm -hmm. John is an absolutely remarkable man in every way. Not only did he change the way that we think about developmental psychology, measurement, modeling, he wrote stuff in the 60s and 70s that we pretend we're inventing now. But the other things that are so remarkable about him, he's six foot three, 220 pounds, an ex-Marine and only drives Corvettes. So <laughs> this is one of the coolest people on the face of the planet. This was a number of years ago. So we're going back maybe a dozen years. I was invited to come in to give a talk to an esteemed university on growth modeling. All right, so I'd been doing some work in that area, had written a little bit about it. I was very excited about it because I was going to be one of the final speakers. Again, terrified. I was going into bear mode, right? I had my bear spray and I had my bear bells on my backpack. You know, the old joke is, how do you fight a bear if you encounter one while hiking? And it's like you spray it with bear spray and you carry bear bells on your backpack. And how do you identify bear scat when you're in the wilderness? So bear poop. And it's the one that smells spicy and has bells in it. <laughs> There are several hundred people in the audience, an atypical audience for me. I did not realize that I had been brought in as a sacrificial lamb to talk about variable-centered modeling when the conference was on person-centered analyses. Mm. And it was kind of a setup, is all of it had been on cluster analysis, person-centered analysis, and then I get up, 
and I'm talking about a P by P covariance matrix. And it was sending Daniel into the lion's den. I started getting a feel for the shifting winds as I got a couple of questions while I was uh-huh. presenting. You know, they're like, when you have a question, any question that begins with, how can you say that? <laughs> yeah. Right? There's no second half uh-huh. of that independent clause yeah. that's going to undo the first half. And so we move to question and answer period, and they are rather confrontational in their Mm -hmm. questions, and lots of how can you say that, don't you believe you're losing this or that. And there was a person in particular that I started to interact with who was very challenging. And at one point I said, well, what is your point in trying to do this thing that you're describing? And she said, we are looking for developmental constants like exist in physics. And I said, well, like what? And she said, like the speed of light. That is a constant across contexts, and that's what we're looking for. And I looked at her, I said, the speed of light isn't constant. I said, it's the speed of light in a vacuum. I said, where the hell do you think sunsets come from? (laughs) As I said, it's contextual. There's no constant element of it. It's the speed of light in the context. And so we're going back and forth. And at one point, we transitioned a little bit to Piaget. And she still had her hands on her hips. And she said, what would Piaget say if he were alive today? (laughs) And without thinking, I made a pounding motion with my fists. And I said, somebody open this up. I can't breathe. Let me out. Somebody let me out. And there's silence, 150 people silence. And about five seconds, and all I could think to myself was, I've done it now, that's it, I'm I'm done. And in the back of the room is a roar of singular Uh laughter. And it was John Nesselrode. Uh And he was my lifeline. Uh At that laugh, I said, thank you very much, and I just walked (laughs) off the stage. So thank you, John. Oh, gosh. Okay, okay, okay. Let me see which ones I got. Let me see. Let me see which ones. Uh, All right, here we go. You ready? This one comes to us from Shannon Swan. There once was a man from Kildare who only believed in Chi-Square. Other measures of fit, he used not a bit. And his sample size always was spare. <laughs> nice. Right, the next one is an audio clip. It comes from Lee Branham Martin. It's hard not to get bombastic when tripping the data fantastic. But what do you do when suffering skew and things get heteroscedastic? I got to tell you, is, is you get anything that ends mm. with heteroscedastic and makes sense, I admire that. Yeah. <laughs> So this is by Jorg Tobias Kuhn, and please excuse me if I mispronounced your first name. It is a written submission, but it says in his mind it has a pirate voice. Since we have all established that my voice skills are not only non-existent, but are actually negative. They actually suck talent (laughs) out of the room. I am going to try to read in a pirate voice. All right. Please be forgiving. Brace yourselves, people. Arg! a psychologist asked. Please tell me the most horrible stats thing you'd see. The audience dreamed when a man stood and screamed, Arg! I'm a Bayesian and it's clearly pee. (laughs) 
I like everything about that. From from your mangling of his name on, I... Apologies to your Tobias. Apologies to the freaking world. I, I, jeez. All right, fine. You do better. You mean in setting up the next audio? <laughs> okay. Sorry, I, I yeah. get a little all right. I, we. Yeah, it's all right. He's not defensive. I will set up the next one. It's an audio clip. And this one comes to us from Tova Larsen and Luke Plonsky at uh, Northern Arizona University. They call themselves Team Linguistics or just Team Ling. And they submitted an audio one. There once was a great methods star who asked, Missing data is or are? He hit a cul-de-sac, but Team Ling's got his back. The winner is by far. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, look who's over there. Oh, my gosh. Look who's there. Is that who I think yeah, it is? Here he comes. Hello, Sir Francis. Hello. I don't know. Uh, Sir Francis, do you have a limerick for us? Hello, gentlemen. Although I find limericks a bit lowbrow, I'm more of an Elizabethan solid fellow myself. I decided to have a little fun. I've got something a bit bawdy and ribald about Fisher. Here goes. At the grave risk of making social blunder, Fisher asked, My dear madam, I do wonder, how do you like my Anova? Or perhaps the Manova? Manova? She replied, I much prefer the man under. <laughs> See what I did there? Saucy vixen. <laughs> well, I must run. Where the devil is Jeffrey? Jeffrey! We need more chutney. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you have one more for me? I was invited to guest lecture at George Washington University. And I was invited by someone who became an outstanding friend of mine uh, after this, Ralph Mueller. And he and I have done a lot of things together, and he's an all-around awesome guy. But this was when we didn't know each other very well, and he invited me to guest lecture on mean structure models. It was a, sort of a formal visit, and I, you know, I went in very nice sort of suit. Well, I had khakis on, and a nice jacket, and a tie, and all of that. I was taking this invitation very seriously, of course. I came sort of early in the day, and what Ralph told me was, here's what we'll do. <clears throat> Let's grab lunch, and then he has a meeting. He says, so I'm going to have a meeting. I don't know how long it's going to be. And then I'll come back and we'll hang out a little bit and then go off to class and you can lecture. It's like, okay, fine. I got this. So we go to these, whatever the equivalent of the student union is at George Washington University. And we slide into a booth there. We have some food. And then we go back to his office and he heads off to a meeting. And I go down to the bathroom. And when I'm in the bathroom... I look at my khaki pants, and apparently there had been chocolate on the seat of the booth <laughs> that I slid into. It wasn't just small. Imagine a prune festival had a chili cook-off. <laughs> it was the worst. And I had already been walking around this urban campus. <laughs> I locked the door in the bathroom. I took off my pants, and I <laughs> scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed <laughs> using the hand soap that's there, using my thumbnail. I was in the bathroom, I mean, half an hour trying to scrub this out. 
so then I have to get back to his office with with my wet pants, and I've rubbed them with paper towel. They're not dry and khaki. You know, looks it has now it has a spot that looks like I peed myself because it's all wet. I go back to his office, and I I don't know when he's coming back to his office. <laughs> I'm in his office. I take my wet the wet pants back off because I needed to put them on to get down the hallway. And bless his heart, he had some uh, some uplights in his office. So I take my pants back off, the wet pants, and I'm rubbing them over the light bulb. <laughs> They're standing there in my underwear in his office, not knowing if he's going to come back. And I'm doing it going, oh, God, is it dry, is it dry enough? No, it's still not dry. Is it, oh, God, is it still dry? It's not dry. It's not dry. And I eventually they're just dry enough, right? They're not mm-hmm. completely dry because I just don't know. The clock is ticking here. So I put the pants on, zip up put my belt on, sit down in a chair, and the door opens. And he says, hey, meeting's <laughs> over. I'm like, oh, okay, excellent, cool. <laughs> and I did not tell him till much later, much later that I had been in his office naked. If you think about when you see a guest lecturer come in, you don't know what has gone on for that person to be able to get there. That's what went on for me that day. <laughs> What was it, maybe six months ago, nine months ago, I was in your office and you were foolish enough to leave me unattended. And you have a long list of projects you're working on. (laughs) And I inserted one that taken out of context could have been characterized as off color. How many months did it stay there before you noticed? Yes, it could be taken as off color. In fact, I don't know how it could be taken as on color. (laughs) I was trying to give myself a little cover. (laughs) It was a number of months, but let's just say I had meetings with the dean and a variety of other people in that office with them facing that, that task list. So I have no idea who picked up on that prior to me picking up on it. But let's just be honest about this. You do this at my home, too. Yes, I do. Okay. What, a week ago or so, I found a message that you had left quite a while ago. Um. (laughs) So thank you for that. The general rule is don't leave me unattended. (laughs) We're getting close to the end. So this would be maybe the last block of honorable mentions? Yeah, okay, let's hear it. Okay, here we go. All right, this one comes to us from Tim Hayes, who submitted five. I will (laughs) play... I hope you didn't have any other pressing deadlines, Tim. Yeah, uh, here we go. There once was a man named O'Neill who believed latent classes were real, till he realized too late that they don't replicate, yet did nothing. We all know the deal. (laughs) Very nice. I like that one a lot. All right, so now it's my turn, which is a little fun, because I get to introduce uh, one of my daughter's submissions. This is Annie, and she is 15 years old. And I have great fun talking to the family about everything that we do in the the podcast. Indeed, they probably find it somewhat tedious at some (laughs) point. But we were out to dinner just two nights ago. And I was telling that we had this session. And Annie kind of stared off into space and then pulled out her phone and sent me this. My name is Annie, and here's my limerick for quantitude. Quantitude worms its way inside us, much like a song by Miley Cyrus. It can cause us great pain embedded deep in our brain, but it's no worse than coronavirus. (laughs) So, (laughs) we did did have a discussion of too soon. Yeah, too soon. And uh, we decided not. 
Okay. <laughs> really, you can just blame the 15-year-old. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Tough to follow that, uh, but let's go with, yeah. one, with one from Andreas Kreutzer. There once was a stats-loving postdoc. Some say he was smarter than Sherlock. When he consulted on tests, among his requests was never compute power post hoc. <laughs> huh? Okay. <laughs> I like it. I get the honor of introducing the next family member. And there's actually a funny story behind this. <laughs> so what comes next is a submission from my mother. And to Wait. give a little context... <laughs> Greg wrote a limerick for her to read, and I was back in Denver visiting, and my mom read it and said, yeah, no, this is no good. Come back later this afternoon. Even your mom gives me a desk reject. (laughs) You got desk rejected by my mom. So when I say my mom wrote this, she really, truly wrote this. So here we go. Hello, Patrick. This is your mother, your real mother. I have a limerick I would like to share with you and Greg. There once was a quantitative mother whose two sons outdid each other. But Pat knew he was through when she said, why can't you get a real job like your brother? Don't forget to call on Sunday, honey. I have a question about my computer. That is lovely. I love that. It is lovely and also explains a lot about me and my own origin story. Less piratey than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I will wrap us up with a submission by Wouter Van Brokhoven. And again, I hope I got the name correctly. A machine learning algorithm thinking. Saw the barman of an Irish pub winking. The latter said... I adore you. So what can I pour you? The answer, what's everyone else drinking? <laughs> that is good. Can I just insert one that I that I have here too? I know you wanted to end the block. Can I just can I do one? Absolutely. Okay. Although I do love somebody embedded machine learning into an Irish pub. Um so <laughs> they get an attaboy. Point. Attaboy. All right. There you go. So go ahead. Ooh, the pressure now. Now, wait, did you write this yourself? Yes. Okay. Yes. But, yeah, I didn't outsource it to my mom. Um, (laughs) Or your daughter. (laughs) Or my daughter, right. Researchers claimed they had a great yearning for new methods to which they could be turning. So they formed an alliance in the name of data science. Then just renamed the old methods machine learning. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at that. Look who's coming. Oh, my gosh. Oh, come here, buddy. (laughs) Hi, Quanta Dudes. Happy St. Patrick's Day. So, uh, do you have a limerick for us? Nope. I have a limerick. Ah. Here goes. I'm Jiffy. Your wishes are my commands. I'll make them happen with my furry little hands. But please don't call me a ferret. I simply cannot bear it. Because ferrets have continuously secreting anal glands. <laughs> oh, so lemurs don't? Well, not continuously. Ah. Sir Francis has challenged me to a game of darts. Jeffrey! Game on, old man. Happy St. Patrick's Day! Uh. <laughs> 
I will give, with your permission, two shorter stories. I love going to your house. I love sitting at your kitchen table and just watching life unfold around me. <laughs> I don't like getting crotched by your dog. <laughs> you guys have a special relationship, you and guys. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and it's so cute to watch your wife. I will cross my legs and try to push him away from me because he's licking me. <laughs> in places that I just don't want to be licked. Anyway, thinking of your wife, the first time I ever spoke to your wife, I was at my desk here at Carolina. You were up in Maryland. We had a phone call. This was pre-Zoom. And you were scheduled to call me at 10 o'clock. And so I'm sitting at my desk. I got my phone. I poured a cup of coffee. It's 9.59. It clicks to 10 o'clock. And... Within five seconds, the phone rings. And I pick up the phone and I lean back and I said, what the f*** do you want? <laughs> and there is a gasp and a dial tone. And I slowly put the phone down and I cross my hands and I'm running through my mind, who was that? <laughs> because it clearly was not you. It could have been my mom. It could have been the chair. I had been doing some administrative work. It could have been a dean. <laughs> and I'm just literally just sitting there. And about 30 seconds goes, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. The phone rings again. And I slowly <laughs> reach out and pick it up. And I said, this is Patrick. <laughs> and you said, what the hell did you just say to my wife? <laughs> And it turns out that you had to go grab a glass of water and you told Goldie, give Patrick a call, talk to him while I get this, and then I'll come back. And so that was my introduction to your wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One that she fondly remembers. <laughs> In my final story, so my tombstone, I've given this a lot of thought, is what's going to go on my tombstone. So it'll say something like Patrick James Curran, father husband, son, grandfather. And beneath that, it's going to say, I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> because I think that will capture the arc of my life. You and I both obviously teach quant stats research methods. I'm in the Department of Psychology. It is universally one of the most hated classes for undergrads to take. It's the first day of class. All right, now to go into this, this one I totally embrace, it's on me. All right, this is like a <laughs> fail on all levels. A uh -huh. lot of times I will try to say, in fairness to me, there is no unfairness to me <laughs> on this. All right, so I'm just gonna go into this with Own that, that mm -hmm. embracing. I taught a double section of our intro stat. There are 100 kids in the room. 99 of them don't wanna be there. And one is probably a grad student somewhere in Quant. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting lecture. Nobody asks questions in these classes. And I try to do anything I can to foster questions, conversations, discussion. And a kid raises his hand. And I had had him in another class. And I knew him very well. And he and I had a very good relationship in teasing and sarcasm. Mm -hmm. I know that. He knows that. 99 other people don't know that. And he raises his hand and he said, could I ask a stupid question? And very seriously, I said, no, no, no. Remember, there are no such things as stupid questions. 
there are only stupid people who insist on asking questions. I did not get another question for 15 weeks. On that tombstone, when your sons come and visit me and stand there and they say, he was only trying to be funny. Do I need to go wake up Billy? Uh, <laughs> Wait, <iPad>. Billy! <laughs> Billy! I'm going to have to go over there in person. Uh-huh. I'm not sure why I said oi. Isn't that more like Scottish? Uh-huh. I'll tell you what. I'm going to walk over and give him a shake. I'm a little nervous because he does not like being waken up before last call. Mm-hmm. But how about if I go wake him up and bring him back over and, and we wrap this thing up? All right, let's do it. Hey, Patty, bring over Billy. Wake him up, man. <laughs> yeah, look, I know. I'm, he's just that way, all right? Wake him up, send him over. <laughs> all right, I, I am excited. Wh- whatever no, you've no, arranged no. here, I am excited. For the very first toy. Uh, is, is that? <laughs> yep. That is my surprise for the day. <laughs> that is William Seeley Gossett, better known as student, father of the tea test, proud son of Guinness, arguably Ireland's most famous statistician. Wow. Huh. <laughs> blah, blah. Let's get this over with. A deal's a deal. Where's the stuff I'm supposed to read? Uh, okay. All right, Billy, have a seat. Can we start with this one here? Right. This one's by Sierra Bainter of University of Miami. I've been thrown in the depths of despair. I'm positive, definite, M plus doesn't care. All the fatal errors appear. Model non-identified has feared. Can't pull a non-zero determinant from thin air. (coughs) That's mildly clever. I'll give you that. Mildly (laughs) clever. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Billy. Yes, that is mildly clever. Uh, That was pretty good. (laughs) That was was pretty good. Mm -hmm. All right. That's a very good start. Mm-hmm. Okay, try to pace yourself, Billy. Okay, we, we've we got some more left. Just put down the Guinness, can you? Just for a minute. Okay, let's turn to the next one. Are you done yakking? <laughs> Sorry. This next one is by Tiffany Peltier at the University of Oklahoma. Now, Greg, didn't you have some interaction with Tiffany leading up to this? Uh, I did, actually. She she and I exchanged a lot of different emails, and they were all, this was the best part, they were all in limerick. Everything that she sent me was in the form of a limerick, so she was totally all in on this. Well, good for you, you big dorks. No pipe down. <sighs> a woman sat out on a bay. She was indescribably happy, they say, but no one knew why. So... She let out a sigh. Don't you know, it's Quanta Tuesday. 
<laughs> well, I bet you like that one with your little radio show mentioned in there. Well, then you're absolutely going to lose your blobs over this one, lads. Brace yourselves. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I don't What is a blob? I, I don't know, but we're going to lose it, apparently. Oh, is that the one by Andreas Brandmeier from the Max Planck Institute in Berlin? Yeah. Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Patrick and Greg, I do like you. Your humor, your wit, and your IQ. Your podcast is swell, St. Patrick's as well. But I'd rather have written a haiku. Ha! Ah. <laughs> I think Billy liked that one too. I, I, I think he did as well. It, it got it got two loogies. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one, you bleeding egomaniacs. Well, I've got a limerick for you. Really? You wrote your own for an extra point. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> just, just go. <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. Right. <clears throat> Great. Here goes. There was a Guinness brewer named Gosset who said, The Z test for small samples, we should toss it. Told publishing wasn't prudent. Used the pseudonym student and then became a statistical one hit wonder who became bitter and pretty much stopped caring about stuff. Least of all, conforming to your stupid limerick rhyme schemes. <laughs> I'm not your monkey. I think you're both mental. You're both mental. Now, where are the points you promised me? <clears throat> I think he wants his ball. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I think... <laughs> Okay, yes, we made a deal. A deal is a deal. <laughs> Oi, Patty, another Guinness here, please. Actually, put it on Billy's table, yeah. not here. Okay, I think, thank you, William. We deeply uh, appreciate your time. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Billy, put it down. That's expensive. Is this fancy thing here a microphone? Is it? <laughs> well... Did, did Gossett just mic drop us? <laughs> I think he did. And he just flipped us the bird. Okay. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool, actually. Just go. Uh, we have been flipped off by student. Yeah. Okay, Patty, help Billy back to his table. All right, thank you. Thank you, William. We appreciate well, it. That was really special, Patrick. Thank you for arranging that. Um, you are quite welcome. Wow. Uh, all right. So we just to mention we have we have prizes for people. Uh, I think that everybody should get a sticker. Some people already have stickers, but for those people who submitted things, uh, we'll go ahead and make sure that they have stickers. But for the top ones, do you want to tell everybody what the prizes are going to be? A beautiful oh. mass-produced <gasps> coffee mug with our logo on it. Very nice, because academics do not have enough coffee mugs. We don't have enough coffee (laughs) mugs, especially those that leach lead into the coffee (laughs) when heated above 60 degrees. 
from the cheap paint it's very from special. the place that we ordered them from. It's, it's very special. <laughs> I have one more limerick in me, and it is my limerick to you, my friend. Are you ready? I am. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> this is my limerick to you. Each week, you're the real man of the hour. I mean, who else could suggest emojis for power? So to you, I raise my glass, a man of true latent class. May you one day be as good as Dan Bauer. (laughs) Cheers, my friend. Okay. I'm going to share just a little bit of live stream thinking on mine. I had no idea Greg was going to read this. And on about the third line, I was like, Oh, crap. I don't have one written for him, and now this is going to look like one of those give me a present and I don't have one for you until the fifth line. I saved you. (laughs) Saved you the trouble. Yeah. Just so I don't have to edit it out with the beep, look at this on Zoom. There you go. He just studented me. (laughs) I studented him. You know what? You got a double student. Double student. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. Cheers. And we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for putting up with us. Take care. <clears throat> Lads woke me up to read some more of their nonsense. Would you turn down that damn river dance music? Or whatever the hell it is. Well, here goes nothing. You've been listening to Quantitude the weekly gathering place for non-normal deviates. <laughs> I'll say. Today's episode has been sponsored by the Irish Association of Statistical Humour. They want you to know why don't leprechauns find much statistical significance? Because they're always a little short. Hmm. Why don't leprechauns... Ah, I already read that one. Why did the leprechaun switch from testing at the 0.05 level to the 0.10 level? So his probability would be Dublin. Eh. When he finally did get statistical significance, why did he decide against ironing and framing his four-leaf clover? Because he didn't want to press his luck. Oh dear God, would you just beat me to death with a shillelagh? The lads think this is witty Irish humour. Well, after reading that garbage, the only thing Irish is how much Irish I'd never met these two idiots. <laughs> now that's clever. Irish. <laughs> Get it? Irish I'd never met him. Yeah, that's funny. This is definitely not NPR. Lucky for NPR. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.